1: Welcome to a bonus edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. In this episode, Dan chats to former Ospreys, London Welsh, London Irish prop, Kai Griffiths. Now, you've probably heard Kai on the podcast before, when we've done some specials down at London Welsh, and on this occasion, uh, he has a nice, really relaxed chat with Dan, and tells some stories of uh, playing uh, playing the Galacticos era at the Ospreys, life after rugby, which is a really, really interesting one. And uh, also just kind of what went on on those Osprey socials. So really hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, if you do, leave us a review on iTunes. We always say that it helps us out massively. If you're able to do that for us. And uh, as always, big thanks to um, big thanks to our sponsors. So Coffee Trades, and uh, you can get your hands on some coffee at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. But most importantly, big thanks to Kai for doing this. We'll have more uh, more of these bonus editions coming up for you very very soon. Hope you enjoy.
0: So here we are in uh, the local Weatherspoons, a lovely establishment with uh, with big big Kai Griffiths. He's uh, taken over the hot hot seat from Jed, who probably doesn't even know his own name after being on his stag
2: do. Kai, thanks for coming on. No problem at all, mate. No problem at all. Nice little venue here for the for the the podcast I'm quite happy lovely little venue considering
0: we bought our coffee someone else and, uh, and <laughs> snuck in through the don't back don't tell them of that don't tell them no. that no um, so got, I've got a couple of, couple of questions for you we'll start off with um, the uh, the dragons so it's well documented they've had a tough uh, tough season I wanted to say to you how much of an impact do you think Hibbard, um, Aaron Jarvis, and Bevington will have, sort of on and off the pitch really, as a as a unit there. I
2: think they're they're a great signing um, as a unit as a three as well. They've they've worked together for a couple of years with the Ospreys. Uh, obviously they're all gone to different clubs and they're coming back. So for for me it's it's a huge signing for them and is it a good intent as well because I think um, they the Dragons are struggling in the front that front row yeah. for them to come in with the wealth experience they got huge number of caps in them as well so the, themselves will develop those players around them a bit more so when the time is right for them to move on again or to sort of be uh, yeah, able to move on at least there the, the team will be in a better place especially the front five um, but yeah Hibbs he's a huge player on and off the field like for for me, with him on the Ospreys for about eight, ten years, he's a great character to have around the field, um, and he's yeah, he's, he's pretty ruthless the way he plays, and sometimes on on the outside as well. He's he's, he's quite a good guy, yeah. So yeah, he's he's a huge that's a huge signing, and then Ryan as well. He's. Uh, Again, huge experience. It's probably done well for him to go outside of Wales to play for a bit. Yeah. And then to come back um, and sign in for the, for, for the Dragons. And how the Dragons are talking about, not so much this year, but going forward. They're looking to develop something there. And I think for people to wanted results this year. For Bernard Jackson to come in and sort of perform and get results this year I think it was one year too early for him to do anything. So at least give him next year and then the year after I think he needs at least another two years in there to try and change things because things don't really change over one season or two. Yeah. It's a huge thing to get Players in, and it's a cultural environment change as well, which takes time. So yeah, I mean the uh, the
0: Dragons had a tough tough day at the office, didn't they up front? Do you think it's fair to say that um, you know Aaron Jarvis is known for being a a, a technically a pretty good scrummager? Spent a bit of time over in France, isn't he? The French don't tend to sign anybody that can't scrummage. Uh, Obviously Hibbard, scrummaging hooker and then Bevington probably more known for being uh, you know fast in the
2: loose is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah it is um, I think Bevs as well is a very powerful scrummager um, I think with him working with Hibad as well as, a, as an unit and with Jarvis as a three it does make a huge difference you can have the best tighthead in the world if the hooker and the loose and the guy behind them as well are not really they want to scrummage it's hard for that tighthead even if it's the best one in the world so for me it's it, is Ryan is yeah he's a proven international, um, very powerful and loose and in the scrum as well. So yeah, those those three will be really good. Um, You're backing but, him to make a difference. Yeah, completely difference. When I when I saw Hibbard signed there, I think that, that he's going to make a difference. But with the other two coming in as well, that's going to sort of make another go in another step. Uh, I, I'm just hoping that the fans and the the guys who are there is going to give them a little bit of time for next year um, because I think that's the year that they should see an improvement. And then year three, then or year two for those players, for year three for Bernard Jackman is that's where they need to kick on. So hopefully the guys won't see that. Yeah, we want results straight away because it does take time. Yeah. I think he's not battling just with player recruitment. I think he's battling with probably environment change there as well and the culture as well. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting. So leading on with the
0: uh, still with the scrummaging What's the best front row then you've uh, you've played in? Played in? Yeah, played right,
2: in. Uh, I think it, I've played in a couple of front rows. But I think a front row of probably Hugh Bennett and Paul James. Um, and I, I think I was in a, I was in a pack once where I, I think I was the only non-international in there with Halloween Jones behind me and Brent Cobain as well. and I think if I was right, Brent I mean, Cobain, geez, that's a blast in the back. I know, I know, I know. Bit I'd of go. a loose, bit of a loose second I row. Yeah, probably, he, he, was a, he was a he was a he was a tough tough character. Uh, there was a couple of training sessions where there was a couple of dust-ups with him and a couple of yeah. second rows. But that it was always good to, to have him on board on our side. But yeah, with him and then you had Jerry Collins and then Marty Holler and Fito Tutiars, so there's not too bad, too much of a bad pack, if I'm honest with you. Just mentioning all those names, yeah. that's, that's some side, is not it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, back in the back in the the Galacticos uh, yeah. era, yeah, there was a, that was a huge,
0: huge, huge side. When you mentioned, you mentioned there that um, you know pretty much. Everyone in that side there or that pack was, was an international. Was there um was there a time where you were pretty close you felt to be in, you know, to be in getting a call up? Was there any sort of murmurings? Um or did you feel as if you were you were possibly better than than any of the boys that'd been given a cap? I mean I suppose you have you have to back yourself, don't you, as a player? Um
2: were there any times? Yeah I was I think I was in a good place I just won the Grand Slam with the Wales in the twenty ones. Um then going into the world cup that we had in argentina it was my second world cup for under 21s so we had a first one in in england and then we had an argentina one at my age and oh, coming out of that it was quite a good place played a bit with the ospreys yeah um, obviously adam was in front of me um, and yeah adam was on fire <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he was on fire for the like, next 10 years after that but yeah for that point then i think in 2007 i had a had a call up in the autumn internationals um, when we were playing south africa i think i think duncan was on the bench that day that was when we had we was only 22 players so he didn't have to have a, have a full front row on the bench he could have a, a one prop and a, and a hooker yeah. so there was 22 in the team and i think duncan was struggling at one point so i got called in for two days or three days leading up to that and i duncan pulled through and i was yeah i was Sort of the travel reserve, so that's sort of the, the closest I got to an international cap. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, you're not going to get closer than that, are you? No, nearly, nearly got there, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough. See, I was in a I was in a on a super strong off-way side, but with limited game time from time to time, and you you, you need to be playing if you need to be things. So, but with Adam in front of me, yeah. it, it was quite tough uh, to uh, get that. Yeah, fair play. Adam Jones is uh, is no slouch, is he in the nah, front row? So, um,
0: what you um, what you miss, what you miss most about not playing
2: sort of pro rugby then? I think for myself, and I think for if you speak to any professionals that's come out of the game, I think you miss that environment of being in in work. You say work is a, is a quite a loose term, that you're in work with your friends. And especially for myself, coming out of that, I've understood that work is a proper work outside of the rugby environment. It is actually work. and You're not there day to day. You're having a banter in the dressing rooms and having that camaraderie. And I think that's the, the hardest thing or the biggest thing I miss is turning up on every day. And you're in there as a unit of 30 guys, um, trained together, trying, trying to move the team, moving the organisation forward. And everybody has that goal in mind that we're doing something today to better ourselves for that Saturday. Yeah. Um, and crossing over to work, um, and limited the amount I've had in my in my in my sort of experience of two years being an operations manager, is that not everybody has that internal drive or standards that you have yourself to go and making yourself better or moving the organisation. That doesn't matter what organisation you are, trying to move that forward. And that's the hardest thing for me was adjusting to people sometimes in sport or outside of sports, especially with work, they, they, they don't seem to really no. care about their performance.
1: So
2: so, they all got, and, they, and they almost don't want it? Do, sometimes, yeah. Some people just turn up for work for the sake of turning up for to get a pay package. Not saying I'm just not I'm talking about my company or uh, talking about other people. Yeah, generally, generally. generally, yeah. Where in that sporting arena, everything is geared up for that. For that for that weekend and you do all type of sacrifice yeah. to perform and you just want that team and your friends to go forward and for me it was that transition of not everybody has got that driver standards yeah. that everybody not everybody has in sport but the majority of yeah. sport players have I suppose with the assessment you you know that if the if
0: you as an individual in in the pro game is yeah. isn't isn't absolutely on the money then you know the standards are going to slip and this ultimately the, the performance isn't going to be there so you've Presumably, you brought that, that that high level intensity to your
2: you know to your work environment, and I, I've tried, yeah, I've tried. Um, but I mean, I'm enjoying my work. But uh, like going back to your first thing, the, uh, the biggest thing is you mi- miss you miss out of being in the environment yeah. with your friends, and it is like being in school where you got all the friends around yeah. you all together, you're all, all having a laugh and. The closest thing I can uh,
0: I can obviously think or link to is, you know, when I go away on a stag do and, and and the boys were away, you're having such a great time. Obviously, there's there's you know a lot of drinking involved and, and everything else. But when you come back from those two or three days away, you you, you hugely miss. You miss being being around the boys because you know you're waking up with um, the banter, the, all those things. So if I can, is, is, do you think that's is that a little bit about what what it's like? You're yeah. moving away. You 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 just don't have that constant then. No, no,
2: constantly not. And um, it's, you are turning, turning up on 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 the Monday and you're all in there together and you're there for the for the next five days then together, coming in at the same yeah. time, having food together.
0: So is it lo- is it lonely then? Is it is it lonely stepping away from from the pro game? Because that's that's mainly what it is, isn't it? You're you were you were a part Part of a big, a big group, a big engine, and then you're, you know, your your Kai part of something, and then you're going off. It's sort of Kai versus the world. Then, you know, for not just you, for obviously loads of loads of ex uh, ex pro players. Yeah,
2: I think as well coming out of the game, where there is so much little support for the players, um, mentally as well. There's hardly any support there, and job opportunities as well. If you haven't been gearing up to exit properly for 2-3 years before you think you're going to come to the end of it I think it's you're in a, a very lonely place and there's no many places you can turn and ask for I read a great article it's called um, the reverse butterfly effect where at, at your career here we are <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I was saying, yeah. So the re- reverse butterfly effect. So for for someone starting in their in their job, in their career, in normal, not out of sport, is they start at the bottom, and they grow and they grow and they become like a butterfly coming out and yeah. they fly away, and the rest is history. Where in sport, you you start at a high. And then once you once once you retire, you become you can become no one, and then you have to start building that again. When you're if you've got a good career in your mid 30s, where everybody else has had 15 years jump on you trying to go into it, so it's very tough. And I I tell all players I'm still to get prepared get yourself out there ask people if you can go out there and have experiences have one day a month to see if you that industry or that sector is something that you want because if you if you're coming out of a cold and having that experience at all it's a super lonely place yeah. and yeah. especially if you haven't got a company that's willing to invest time into you and try and nurture you yeah you, you can be on your ass that's pretty thought provoking actually that but that, yeah, that just the way
0: you, that analogy there um, there's no doubt, players that you must be speaking to that are in a in a relatively tricky place. You know, depression's a hot uh, you know hot topic at the moment, isn't yeah. it? And
2: rightly so, completely. Uh, I, I think I think that people are starting to be more aware of of that, but it's it's still a hundred miles away from where it needs to be. I don't know what other sports and how they. They sort of support their players coming out of it, but there must be a better way that these professional rugby players in Wales and England and anywhere are coming out with sort of zero to none support. Because
0: it, it can't just be left to the players, can it? Because I suppose if you're as a professional player, you you you've got to th- you've got a you've got to give absolutely everything, haven't you? To you, you don't want to be almost you could say that maybe prepping for something it, it could be linked a little bit to being a little bit defeatist because mm. you're you're there in that moment, aren't you? And you or you want to be number one in that particular position. So you don't you almost don't want to be distracted by no. thinking about um, you know moving into the IT sector or the property sector or recruitment or whatever because it might take you it'll be a little bit of a distraction, yet it's probably needed uh, completely so for uh, the players. That's
2: so difficult. Yeah and, and I think it's you're in the bubble when you're in, in that environment as a professional you're in you're in a bubble where it's all about that performance on the Saturday and you don't want to take anything away from that but from um, I think from proper planning um, talking to the right people even half a day on your day off once a month would put you in a much better place than you not doing anything and I don't think that, that distraction is actually would be minimum um, if it, it is just a half a, a, a day doing something that and I, th- I think as well it would be quite good to the mind to get that ticking, challenging yourself as well outside the environment. Yeah, stepping outside, stepping outside, the... and get that bit of that growth mindset as yeah, well. Yeah, so I know, I know the military does it really well, where they've got exit, exit strategies for their for the guys that serving. They've got full support. They go on courses and everything like that. So they, I don't know if they, these bodies that support the players they could sort of have a look at that more to see if it actually works because it definitely needs to be improved interesting top stuff um,
0: so on a slightly different note then um, out of the clubs you've played for who's uh, who's got the best socials I mean there's um, you know you've been involved with a couple of clubs that are renowned for, for, for some big some big events
2: Who's uh, who's got that number one spot I, must, I have to say, when I was in the Ospreys, I was the social secretary, so uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> is thing, is it? It? If you ask the boys, yeah, they had a great Christmas party, <laughs> depends where we went. <laughs> uh, nah, it, I'm it, thinking it, Thai Bach. Thai Bach, yeah, that, that was a good time there. If, if anybody doesn't know what happened in Thai Bach, just give Google a little search of Ospreys Thai Bach and everything comes up apart from the truth. <laughs> yeah of course it's all lies There's it's all lies on yeah. There. Yeah. it's all fabricated yeah that, <laughs> that, that was that was a good uh, that was a good time we had a good time they, they hosted us and um, boys got a little bit too excited I would say but nothing out of hand nothing uh, easily done easily done, done yeah. Yeah. The, the no, nothing away. illegal that was uh, reported I that's, say. that's the main thing yeah <laughs> Um, any, any other clubs that uh, had that a good, yeah, you know, we, good we, social I scene th- I think the success of London Welsh when uh, when I was there the first year when we were in the championship going up to the premiership um, Justin I was the coach and we had a really good bunch of guys and I think we're, that was the reason for us winning that championship beating Bristol home and away uh, because everybody was gearing that Bristol was going to go up Yeah, uh, um, all the money was going into Bristol to get them up and we sort of we had a bunch of players where we knew what we needed to do on and off the field and uh, it was the best team that I've been in regarding camaraderie and all that team togetherness and I think it showed in that we we beat them uh, home and away, and we won the the championship that year. Was there any any sort of was that led by a, an individual? Was it collective? It was know? a collective one, and it, I, I think it wasn't that one individual that wanted to go on on the, on the team social on the pitch. we can uh, every every weekend or something. it was like he was set. We were going out together as a unit. And yeah, for me, it's being in that team and having that team sort of feel is huge you know when you're going to on the on, when you're going on a Saturday and your backs against the wall I think that's the the two percent that's going to take you out of the back place and get you the win at the end so yeah it was, it was a good time very very good time did
0: you um have you pulled on then quite a lot of those experiences now bringing you into you know a coach as a coach that it is you know it is really important to have you know have a good a good social you know, not every weekend, but every now and again to bind the team. Oh, completely. You know, completely. Have you been? Because I, I, you know, I want, I wanted to ask you, as did uh, one of our listeners, that has there, has there been a team that you've been involved in that um, the social has been so poor that then it's affected the whole environment and ultimately, you know, has led to the crumbling
2: of a side maybe? Or yeah, well, if we go on the on the positiveness I definitely there's, there's a huge aspect of going out it's not even going out and going on the on the booze you can go out go for dinner together and, and talk to people that you are young and really spoke to in the in the in the team itself and try and understand where they're from what makes them tick what they enjoy i, I think that actually brings the team together uh, you're spending time together then doesn't spending it spending to time be together yeah you know, exactly spending time together uh, because it will build the team he thought build the team together and uh, when you're going on the field just, when you are looking Around four people is going to step up. They will step up for you because you've got that bond. Do you know what I mean there's not that just but that person turns up? I think football struggles from that. I think they're all individuals. Yeah. Um, not all of them, but I think different agendas. or uh, If you put a rugby or a rugby team together and put them in a in a group environment, they, they will start bonding together because it's it's not an easy game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is any uh, any sports you go out there and you could at uh, any second have something catastrophic happen to you on the worst side of it. So you, you need to think like, is this worth me putting my body on the line so, here for a, a cause? Because of course, and it is. If uh, and you need to know, so you need to know,
0: you need to know someone fairly well, like all, all the players fairly well. Even though naturally you're going to, um, some players aren't going to be your type of person. Then, but if you can understand what makes them tick, you're still more likely to put your head in somewhere yeah. where it where it shouldn't be going because before you may have thought that person's a particularly odd character but actually you've spent a bit of time with them gone to the cinema whatever, whatever it may be and then um you actually understand okay they're not they're not just a complete odd god for instance no. they just they're just wired slightly different way that type of thing yeah it?
2: completely and i think the 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 professional game is, is sort of is struggling from this at the moment i think towards my years it, it was less social the socials were more restricted by the club it was more a bit bit artificial controlled by the club so they could tell us when and not can and cannot go out where we can and cannot go out so I I know the guys are they've got reputation and they're they're in the line but still There's a time and place where everybody needs to go out and have a good time and bring that together. And I think that's sort of lost, or has been lost in the game. There's nothing better than getting a couple of crates in a change room and get people drinking and talking to each other. And that actually, I don't think you can measure it as an output. So, but it is there. So it's not like, oh, the gym where you can measure outputs and stuff like but there is something tangible yeah. regarding that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I've been, I've been in, in, in a team where, um, yeah, I think when I moved to London Irish, I, I, I sort of struggled, I think. Um, moving there first time out of the Ospreys, um, really excited to go there, and, and it turned out it didn't really work for me. I think that the, the environment. Wasn't breeding success. Uh, there could be a number of things, but yeah, I do feel like uh, the togetherness wasn't there, um, and it, it, it was yeah, it was, it, it was the wrong move for me. But yeah, I think if that togetherness in there, so that one that really sticks out is the London Irish move
0: So there, there, there wasn't any, uh, there weren't any beers in the change rooms there, and that that moment where. Uh you know that time when people you're having, you're having beers in the in the change room and the players, you know it's going max. Nobody's leaving. So actually, it gets to a point where you're like, we've actually now got to, boys. We've got to leave now. We've got to leave the change room uh, and go down and you, see, you know,
2: have, out of the change yeah, room and actually. have a chat. But no, I th- I think it was, um, it was it was tough there because being in the Oscars for ten years, going there, really excited, and it did feel like individuals. Uh, it wasn't really team effort. But yeah, I don't want to put the, that team down too much because obviously what's happened the last two weeks with them, yeah, being relegated as well. But yeah. it, it does. It, it, that is a huge part. you know I mean? Getting the team, getting the boys. I think the uh, the the scarlets. I think they've got it at the moment. It feels like it's uh, everybody enjoys going in there. Uh, have they have a couple of beers after the game and stuff. And it does yeah. make a difference. Um, like I I suppose um, with being at the uh,
0: the London. You know, obviously you've been at London Welsh now, and and you know I was at the London. Welsh uh, Awards evening on Friday. I can obviously see that's a massive part of your what you bring to a, you know to a club, um, and no doubt probably you've learned stuff from your time at London Irish. You know, uh, good or you know good and bad I suppose throughout your career. Because I spoke to quite a few of the quite a few of the players, and they were saying how. How just how good the atmosphere is, and I don't think I don't think that's an easy thing to create. Whether it's a you know, at, it doesn't matter that it's at amateur level, does it? You've still got lots of characters. From, maybe it's even more difficult at amateur level because you've got players. It's, you know, it's quite a transient environment, can be, can't it? And you've you've bound, a, you know, you you've brought a, a gel and a glue there to a side. Um, and it was just, I mean, that atmosphere in that awards night was awesome. Yeah, it was quite, It was like a.
2: Like a concert, everyone chanting, singing, all that. Everyone's doing shots. I'm not just saying that the the drink is a big part of it, but it's. It's. I think with with a couple of sessions that we did this week, uh, this year with London Welsh was we didn't go on the field. So we went down to the local restaurant, the schoolhouse, where our uh, head of fitness, uh, strength and condition, Will Taylor, is working there. So we had an evening there instead of being on the pitch. We're in there. Boys were having food, a couple of beers. There's a couple of Saturdays that we decided not to train, but we just went for food or a couple of drinks. So I think it's it's rewarding the boys for w- hard working, but as well we get from that is boys being together, uh, and that's about the hardest thing. Especially with as we only train Tuesday, Thursday, so there's a limited time with us. So how can we maximise that to go into the into the season? Yeah, why not? Why can the training session? Let's go out for food. So we've done that a couple yeah. of times and get the boys enjoying the sessions, and then the boys can
0: boys equally, I suppose, the boys can actually see you outside of a training environment because no doubt you're going to be different. You're going to be different as a coach on the, on the pitch as opposed to you know you having a a burger and chips with the boys. They're going to be you know maybe you're absolutely giving them a bollocking for something something they've done wrong, and then they're, they're having a chat with you then about uh, you know what you're up to with your, your, your girlfriend on the weekend. They're like, oh, okay, I, I'm understanding right yeah. now and seeing a different side to him, and
2: that's that's got to be massive. And, and the truth normally comes out as well once they've had a couple of beers. So. <laughs> Uh, you, you could get all the, the in, ins and outs yeah. they're not, they're not going not, to tell you outside of the environment so yeah. Yeah. there's always uh, trying, uh, there's always a good thing but it's the majority is, you need to be enjoying whatever you are if you're in work if you're in, in rugby if you're in a social somewhere or somewhere else you've got to enjoy yourself and that's what we because these guys in London Welsh what they're giving up their time do you? I mean, they're giving their, up their time with their families with their loved ones it's how do, I, we, do we maximise that time that they are in the club uh, and enjoying it as well. So it's a ba- bit of a balance because as coaches and as an output, we, we want to win things. So we need to be harder sometimes, but sort of be softer other times as well. So it's quite a, a balancing act there. Yeah. yeah, not easy.
0: So on on the sort of London match thing, I wanted to ask you um, outside of the sort of obvious sort of physical conditioning um, of, of of the difference between pro players then and, and amateur players, were you were you surprised by some of the skill sets that some of the players may have and not not just their their ability to execute sort of a certain skill but their, their minds then I mean presu- presumably you've probably got players that are, can read the game superbly well. Uh, but maybe they're you know they're not going to be training all the time were, were you
2: surprised or not surprised yeah no I was surprised there's some, we've got some excellent players that we've had from the start and the guys have come in as well um, and for me it was there's, there's some out there that are as good as professionals regarding reading the game or executing a 2v1 or something basic as basic as that um, for us though it's is how do we upskill all the all the team up to a standard uh, that we, we we want them? And it's it's re- relying on those players that actually are standing out just to bring the group up, so they show that that is the standard that we're looking for. But yeah, I was surprised we got some excellent players. And for me, it's if you're playing at level eight, so if you're playing at level four it depends on on the coach and if it's someone's perception of that player I've got players that I could easily play national three um, we don't want them to play national three cause we want them ourselves yeah, Mitch, hopefully they're not listening no <laughs> no nah, nah, they won't be, no. <laughs> um, but it's, it's it's a luck as well regarding if you if if you're going into a team, if you get selected, if you're not, because it's down to that coach. If he likes what he sees, you could be a semi-professional. If it, if it, if it, if someone above him likes you, you could be a professional. Um, it doesn't mean like you're better than the player that's there already. It's just someone's perception. Do you know what I mean? So for for us, it's the, the team is is in a good place, and we've got very skillful players. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, toughest scrummager then?
0: Toughest toughest bastard you've played against? <laughs> Fucking all of them.
2: <laughs> um, Anyone in particular that stands out as. Well, we went we went out to Argentina for the Wales in the 19s World Cup. And uh, we were playing Argentina that day. And I got absolutely hammered. Like, I don't think we won our own ball. It was it was horrific. That's the one that stands out I think that's what Fifteen, fourteen 14 years ago they just they're all a, oh, they're they're all yeah. they care about isn't it scrum, yeah. it, was, it was something that I've never come across before Yeah, so that's the that's the biggest and you don't thing want him again no, no <laughs> too old for that Then <laughs> don't even play prop yeah, <laughs> yeah in the second row now second row yeah well body's getting old isn't it? next season you'll be pushed to the back row back row yeah probably <laughs>
0: what about after that <laughs> bench again bench yeah <laughs> um, alright so best coach then who's the best coach for you personally
2: um there's a lot of different coaches that I had I think one that there's a couple that i I need to thank and i I think Mike Griffith will be start of that he was the the head of sort of North Wales elite players where I had I was lucky to be with him when I was about 16, 17 and at 15 I was really I was really a heavy boy I think I must have been like 20 stone or fifty, so I was big and then I went into the North Wales Academy Elites team, and then he got me trimmed completely down, fitness with him every Sunday after game on a Saturday and, and in the week as well. So he dropped me the body weight that I needed to do. So on that aspect, he got me into a good place, yeah. my breakfast. And then I go, yeah, and Jones as well, who, uh, and Pat, uh, Pat, 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 Pat yeah, Pasha. which um, they're the coaches in my school. Um I'm a club, so a lot to own to them because they were at that point when I was transitioning from football to rugby. So I didn't start rugby until I was 12, 13. Oh, right. So I was quite old, yeah. Football first. Yeah, football first, yeah. There's a lot of players like that, isn't there? One Ryan jo- was
0: Ryan Jones the same? Maybe, I think so, or, yeah. Uh, there was a couple of players.
2: I know Martin Williams played football to a high level as yeah. well. So, uh, and then I transitioned to that. And these guys were driving me down to South Wales to do trials um, every, sun- every yeah, sat- Saturday. Sunday taking me down there so I could play at uh, a trial session so I got a lot a lot of thanks to them and uh, from there then in, in my career probably John Humphreys was probably the one I sort of worked closely enough close enough yeah he has got good, a really good rep and he? he's, he's a really good coach really good guy as well um, so I've got a lot to thank to him as well uh, yeah. obviously I've had many head coaches but they're the three that stick into my mind right how mad is Lynn Jones mad? Nah, <laughs> Lynn's good. He's, um, I had him in Nice when I first came down, and I think, uh, that he was, uh, yeah, I thought. How who, is is it, this who is this guy how is he operating like this but nah, Lenny's good he's, he's got a really sort of thinks of game in a different way and that's how we were so successful with the Ospreys with him um, with Neith before we went professional I think we were top 4 or something and then we went into the Ospreys in 2003 uh, we had a disaster year. I think we had 10 lose, losses on the bounce then the year after that we won there and then the year after that or the after that we won it again so Lin, Lin good he's, he's wacky but he's good there yeah. and I um, just want to touch on your, your time in Italy you've
0: said before to me that the, uh, the wine was good obviously the conditions are pretty good for growing beards because uh, your, your beard was almost hitting the floor wasn't it at one yeah. point um, what was the rugby like? Yeah, it was it was it was okay at
2: best. Um, it, was, it was okay. It was okay, it wasn't great, was it? No, it wasn't. Well, I didn't go out there to, to play to play the rugby. It was part of the the club. So the Ospreys had a sister club out in uh, Milan, uh, so we had close ties with them because we had two or three companies that was based in Milano, Italy that were sponsoring the Ospreys. So we had like a sister partnership there. And this was at a, at a point where I knew that I was coming out of the professional game. I I was about another I think myself as I said I've got another two years in here because I think when you know the time is right you do know it's time to step away so I was I was building my CV at this point so in that year I signed a contract which was 90% of rugby and 10% commercial which was I was supporting the commercial a commercial part of the Osprey so I was doing a bit of business development for them just to get a little bit of sort of in the business type of it more the rug, outside the rugby so sort of building yeah. my CV understanding how business works so it was the opportunity came out there is that I would go out there and do a bit of business Developments within the companies that we were working with and try and look for other companies as well. So, went out there, I was only out there for six, was only out there for six months, um, but really enjoying myself, yeah, the rugby was okay, um, I think they're struggling with the basics um, and I think that it's a very football, I mean, country, football is everything in there. So, I, I, I question what what level of coaching they've got at the sort of the grassroots um top as well where, where it's, it's hard because I don't think they've, they've sort of invested in their coaches in there to yeah. sort of drive it up and it, it shows and it shows them in, in the Pro 14 and the Six Nations so they need a the massive change they're doing a fair bit at the top
0: aren't they yeah. but it's I suppose at the very at bottom, bottom yeah. and that's and I, I guess yeah the football the football is a massive thing isn't it because that is that's their cult, that's, that's a cultural yeah. thing isn't it and, and to change that is, is not easy no but you so you had a, it was it was a good time. I didn't realise that it wasn't it wasn't just rugby then. No, it, was, it wasn't just
2: rugby, yeah. Okay. So I went out for that. Yeah, yeah it was good. They made really good friends. Um the captain of the club, Chippo, was re- really good. I really enjoyed him, uh, and there was Andy as well. This other Kiwi guy that's in back home now. He, they really helped me it in, which was really hard because you go into the country that don't speak English, and they if they do want to speak English, they won't speak English. Like if they if they can speak English, they won't speak English. Yeah. Um, so it was it was challenging, but it was great, and it, it's great as a if any young rugby player, I would I would advise to get out there and try try different environments if it, if it's right for that time. It's understand new cultures and stuff. Like that because That's definitely taking you out your com- out your comfort zone there, isn't it? You know, I language. could have easily said no and just stayed yeah. in Swansea, but for me, it was an opportunity. It was fine for me at that point, and I think it was uh, Scott Baldwin went out there um, five. Years before me, so when he was coming through the ranks with the Ospreys, he went out there and he, he said, "Oh, he's had a good, he had a good time." And the commercial manager at that point, Yanni, who's now working with the All Blacks, he was, he played there for a couple of years as well. So there's people before me, yeah. You know, new people that have gone in there, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah, it's a really good, good rugby people there in that club as well. Yeah, happy times then. Very happy times. Good wine, good wine, good wine. Good beards. Um,
0: all right biggest this is a bit left field now biggest celebrity you've met outside of rugby you're going to rack, rack that brain there now on this one so uh,
2: I think we were um, I was with my girlfriend and we were in um, we were in, in Paris Fashion Week and yeah. we, we had a, a party after the show and But yeah, that sounds very swish yeah it is Yeah. wow well, gone up in the world haven't <laughs> definitely have yeah. and uh, we had a yeah after party and uh, Nelly Nelly. S- Nelly was si- Nelly was there, so he was singing <laughs> in the after party. So I've got a couple of pictures. And I with didn't him expect you to si- didn't expect you to say Nelly. No, no, it was Nelly. And um, did he have his plaster on? No, he didn't. He hasn't worn it for a couple of years. <laughs> so I, I was asking him about that. <laughs> and then there was a it was a Victoria's Secret model in there as well. So I had a selfie with her, which all my dreams came true. So uh, it was Nelly and her, yeah.
0: Bloody hell, Nelly, fantastic, guy. Cheers for today, and uh, we'll catch up catch up again in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers.
1: So that's it that was our bonus episode for this week with kai griffiths uh let us know who you'd love uh, to come on the show we'd uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions and uh, yeah if you've got interesting stories that you want us to tell on behalf of your club uh then get in touch with us and do that at attacking scrum on twitter and you do do on facebook as well and um yeah if you've enjoyed this leave us a review on itunes we we'll look forward to chatting more welsh rugby with you very very soon Network.